We're excited about this morning uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, one of those reasons is because we match. I don't know if you noticed that, but we, we did not plan this, but uh, different colored pants and a sweatshirt with a collared shirt underneath. It's, a, it's the new rage. I know many of you are going to go out and buy this outfit right afterwards, right? But uh, we People are... have often asked why I don't just shave my head uh, with, like, Bicket shave it. And I, the, the main reason I don't is because Russ does that. And so I can't because then when I do that, then we become actually the same person at that point. So, <laughs> so I have a wildly different hairdo than he does. I hope you notice that. Wildly different. So the other reason we're excited about this morning is we're going to try something a little bit different. You hear us say that quite often because uh, I don't, for us, variety is the spice of life. We enjoy kind of coming at things from a different perspective or angle. And uh, what we decided to do this morning, we have t- done this team teaching thing quite a few times in the past. And uh, what we've always kind of wondered at the end of it is, what, is there a way for us to explore it a little bit differently? I'll explain what I mean. Usually when we do team teaching, we'll get together several weeks before. We talk about what we're going to go over. We like hash out the details. I send him a copy of what I've written. He sends a copy of what he's written. We kind of go back and forth all the way up until that Sunday. We go through it a couple times. We just make sure we're on the same page. In fact, if you were to look at our notes... Last time we spoke, where we did it as a team, we had 15 pages of notes. That way, like, I knew what he was going to say, and then I would kind of say what I was planning on saying. Today, we have one page, right? And it's like a couple questions and the verses at the top. And the reason is we are uh, trying to have more of a conversation this morning. So I don't necessarily know what he planned and thought about and as he looked at the passage, and the same goes for me. So, uh, again, why we've done this is because as we've engaged in these times where we've been able to team teach, the best part of that for me, and I think I can speak for us on this, is the time before Sunday morning, is the time two weeks before where we meet for a cup of coffee and we just wrestle with the scripture together. And when I ask questions of him and he asks questions and we, and we begin to really dig into the scripture together, and we've often said, man, wouldn't it be cool if people could sit at this table and hear this conversation, not because we're great theologians, but more because that's what studying the scripture together looks like. And it seems much more authentic in those moments than it does when I know the exact transition that Russ is going to say, and he knows the exact transition, and we move back and forth. And so really, it's come out of this sense of, could, could we do it in a way that really brings in this uh, kind of the, the rawness of it or the authenticity of uh, when we are sitting down at a coffee shop and, and just beginning to wrestle with the scripture that's in front of us? So um, now the interesting part about the 11 o'clock service is we've done this once. So, <laughs> uh, so this, we have heard what each other are going to say. We're going to try to uh, make sure that that's new, but the, the way that it will best work is the more that you guys can participate in this, the more fresh this will be for everybody. If people aren't offering answers, if people aren't really engaging with the questions we have, then we're probably just going to go into the things that we said last time, and it will be kind of like a regular talk. But if you guys are really willing to, to dive in, really willing to, uh, to offer uh, some answers for the questions we'll throw out, then I think it'll feel pretty fresh still, and, uh, and, and it will feel new. It won't feel like the first service. So, We... As we said, this is something we're going to try for the first time, well, technically second, but 
It might be something that we try to explore even more in the future. Uh, I think it would be a lot of fun to continue to find ways of communicating and challenging one another as it comes to the text, this idea of communally understanding it. We've been in a series on Advent called Advent Is, and uh, we've been filling in the blank each week. And uh, we've talked about things like Advent is anticipatory. It's just just this desire, this longing, this thing that's going to come. We talked about it uh, from a couple other perspectives as well. Uh, It's the moment before the moment and uh, just kind of hanging on that moment. And uh, this morning we want to talk about it from the perspective of Advent is the arrival, which is what we understand, the coming. But it's specifically the coming of a king that we want to look at what the scriptures say related to the idea that our King, Jesus Christ, has come, and uh, that he has come, and that he will come again. And there's this really cool picture of what Advent is all about. It's about acknowledging what's happened, but also dreaming and longing for and waiting for what's going to ultimately happen. And so this morning, we want to look at a passage that's in the lectionary for today in Romans chapter 16. If you have your Bible... You can turn there, Romans chapter 16. It's also going to be on the screen. And in uh, Romans 16, the very end of the book, there's this uh, beautiful doxology where uh, Paul just kind of declares some truth about God. And uh, this truth helps us reflect on the idea of Advent and the coming of our King. I'll read the passage and you can just kind of follow along. And then we'll go into a, a set of questions that maybe give us some perspective on this particular passage, and then give us uh, some dialogue pieces that help us to live it out. So the passage says this, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the longest run-on sentences. Paul's pretty famous for that. And uh, in this particular passage, he uh, does it again. So let's, uh, let's dive into some of these questions here. And the first one, uh, maybe thinking about the scripture, but, but more thinking about uh, kind of current uh, cultural knowledge or movies that you've seen, things like that. Describe to us how do kings come into their kingdoms? So when there's a coronation, when there's something like that, when we see a king enter into a new city, how do they generally come? What are some images, what are some pictures uh, that come to your mind when you think about that? Just, you can shout them out. I like the hand raise. That's very formal, but you can shout them out too. Go ahead. Yeah. Like a parade. Okay, great. great. What else? Yeah, a presidential inauguration. Formal affair, everyone in attendance. What else do you picture? Pomp and circumstance, good. Someone else said something? A big feast. Totally. Yeah, coming in like Lord of the Rings on this just giant white horse. Uh, Someone last service right after someone also said the same thing, a white horse. They're like, or a limousine, right? Which is another cool way maybe a king would show up, or at least the president. 
What else? Yeah. Wow. Somebody else said, yeah, the movie Goodness, Aladdin. Gracious. So describe to us Aladdin. What happens in that scene? plate spinning and weird stuff going on. Yeah, I like that. Awesome. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Other other things, other images that you get. Okay. Good. Yeah, a lot of military security protection. What other things might we see in the crowning of a king or the introduction to his city, maybe he just conquered or something like that? One that was said in the first service, which I thought was good, was uh, there's a, a significant division somehow. So like you said with military, that there's often a, a place where the people are and then a place where the dignitary, the king, whoever is. Or even when you think about the inauguration, you have the crowd and then you have everybody, the important people, so to say, on stage. You know, So that there's this uh, a sense of division as to who has that authority and who does yeah, not. Yeah, separation. Yeah. 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 Um, or you could, some of you I know are imagining the Hunger Games and imagining Katniss riding in and then pushing the button and then her whole dress comes on fire and like, it's just amazing scene, right? But it's all about like everybody's there. They're cheering, there's celebration. They're, it's just this crazy focused time and everything is supposed to be about the one who's most important. So that's one of the ways that we see kings kind of come on the scene now, from what we know of kings and kingdoms, and this one might be on the screen here, uh, what can a king's arrival tell us about the way that they're going to rule or reign the people? So from what you just pictured and described, what can that tell us about how that king will rule or reign over his people? Good. So if it's this idea of celebration and awe and excitement, then it's probably going to set the stage for a great reign where the people are desiring to have this ruler. If it's one with maybe military or a definite separation or like the people are here and, and he is here, then it is one of tyranny or one of like oppression or things like that. Good. What else? Other ideas with this? Mm-hmm. Good. I think Aladdin has become the most significant teaching yeah. <laughs> of the morning. Very interesting. I did not see it going that way. But I think you're, I think you're right on. Yeah. What else? Right. Absolutely. Some people talked about the idea that some kings, as they come in, they give gifts to the people, which is way different than saying you give me gifts when, when I show up on the scene, you know? Any other thoughts on how their rule or reign will be felt. Absolutely. Look to David for protection. Probably also celebration because like every time he extended their borders, they were like, oh, we've gotten to be a bigger nation. Like this is a really good thing. Yeah, good. So with this kind of as a background, think about this question. We'll look for answers again. If you had a chance to meet this king, this dignitary, president, whatever that that image is in your head, if you had a chance to meet him or her, what does that look like? How do you approach that person? How do you feel? How do you dress? And so here, I'll give you an example uh, from my life, um, and really two examples. Think about it before you interview for a job, like that moment where you're sitting outside of the office. How do you feel 
what are you going through? What's going through your mind? Like, man, do I look okay? Is there something in my teeth? You know, what, what am I going to say? What are those questions that this person's going to ask me? You're, you're walking into an office with certainly a person that has more authority than you do, that you're seeking something from them. Or, or another example, before I met my father-in-law, I can remember pulling up to, uh, to my wife's house where she grew up, my father-in-law. It was this like kind of family dinner they were having. I can remember sitting out in my car for that like three to four, what felt like 15 minutes just sitting there like kind of prepping myself. Man, do, do I, it, am I disheveled looking? You know, what do I say? How do I greet him? Do I shake his hand? Does, it, does he want to hug? Like, do I hug the mom? Is that too much? All those things that, you know, begin to go through your mind. What, how would you approach this type of king? How would you approach this type of ruler? Throw out some ideas. A lot of reverence and respect and awe. Good. Suit up. Look nice. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of fear, for sure. I mean, even if you look biblically to, I mean, Esther, what was she afraid of? She was afraid that if he didn't point the scepter toward her, right, like her life would end. You know, you, you see these pictures of people who like cower and crawl toward the throne and, are, and never look up until they're told that they can glance up. You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty strong the way you would show up. It's interesting, too, though, that we had somebody in the, in the first service say sometimes it would be a, a feeling of awe, maybe not fear. So if you look at uh, maybe meeting some sort of a political authority figure, there might be fear. But you meet the king of pop when he was alive. <laughs> I mean, you saw, you saw men and women fainting. I mean, just a chance to see Michael Jackson, and there would be this awe that would come over him, and they would faint, and they, they couldn't handle it. So interesting that maybe... This is good, guys. This is just good stuff right here. Uh, or Aladdin. Yeah, or Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin, um, for sure. Interesting that, that maybe depending on how that person comes into that position, into that authority, will dictate then how you feel like you can approach them. Last one? Yeah. So, okay, so now we have this as a background. Okay, we're, we're kind of thinking along these lines. So let's look back at this passage, Romans 16 with your Bible, with your, with your phone, whatever you're reading from, what does this passage specifically tell us or reveal about our king and his reign? So if you read this passage, these two verses, what does this passage reveal about our king and about the kingdom that he has come to establish about his reign? Yeah, so take it only from this text. That way we can kind of build off of it. What do these passages, these two verses tell us about his reign or how he comes, arrives. Yeah, great. It's been planned for a really long time. So there's this, this uh, mystery, this like, it's, it's coming. Good. What else? Okay, it's mysterious, mysterious. and then it's for all people. Good. What else? Okay, good. he Very empowers good. or strengthens the people. Good. Yeah, this would be a king that would be approached with awe and thankfulness. Good. What other things do we notice in the text? Yeah. Permanence, good. Permanence to the reign. Good. It's good news. It's really good news. Absolutely. Kevin and I, uh, 
each kind of wrote down what do we see as some of the major pieces of this text. If we were going to try to narrow it down to what are the main things it's saying. And uh, we kind of, I wrote my list, he wrote his list, and, and here are the ones that kind of matched up as those real uh, identity markers, so to speak, of the reign of God as he comes. And, and we'll throw them on the screen. And we'll probably just walk through each of them here real quick and then talk a little bit more about them. So the first idea is strengthened, that he strengthens the people. Another version says establishes the people. Uh, the, the second one is that there's this mystery. This, there's been a foreshadowing. This, this thing's going to happen at some point. And then what we know and what we find out later is that this mystery is Christ in us, right? That, that's the hope of the gospel, that God indwells within us and strengthens us, the passage goes on to then say that those things bring about an obedience of faith, that there is this desire from the people who follow this king to be people of obedience. And then last but not least, that uh, this king, this only wise God would get and receive glory forevermore, that these actions of his arrival would bring uh, him glory forevermore. So that's kind of the outline. And what we want to do is just take a moment and talk about each of these pieces, and uh, feel free to chime in on these as well. Uh, we talked about the idea of strengthened or established. And if you imagine this king coming in, what we have described as this king is someone who's establishing his throne, not establishing the people. Someone who's establishing authority, not really for the people. Someone who's declaring his power, Right? And so it really stands in many ways in stark contrast to the way Jesus came. If, if this passage is true, and we believe it is, and what he's saying is that he's here, that he arrives to strengthen us. Right? Most kings come in, and they come in to tax the people so that they get stronger. They come in to oppress the people so that those people stay in their place and they know the separation or the distance between them and that person. Or they'll come in with all about glory and ego and instead of coming in humbly. And so you see really a, a stark contrast between the way in which Jesus arrives and the way he strengthens and empowers us and the way that uh, most rulers arrive where it's about them. Uh, one of the things that I, I for, actually forgot to mention this in the first service, but one of the first reasons uh, we were both drawn to this passage is this idea of strength. And in this, we won't spend much time on this, but a question I would throw out to you, do you feel strengthened in this season? Do you feel strengthened? And, and the reason I pose that is because often I believe we come into Christmas pretty ragged. You come into that like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and you're just exhausted from all that December holds and all the stress and all that kind of stuff. And interesting to read this passage and ask yourself that question, man, am I, do I feel strengthened right now because of the coming king? Something to think about. Uh, the, the second idea is this, uh, the idea of mystery. And this mystery, if, as we see in First Colossians, is the fact that Christ is in us. But what's interesting about this is if you read Scripture and if you, uh, if you have kind of know the story from the beginning, it's not much of a mystery that Christ has been on a movement from the beginning of time to get close to us. 
that that is the way that God is, that God wants to be close to us. When every other God and every other religion is standing on the top of that hill is uh, more like that king that needs to be revered and is untouchable by humans, God has been continually coming close to us. It starts, as Russ said in the last service, it starts in the garden when he walks in the garden moves throughout his relationship with the people of Israel, and then he comes as a baby. Couldn't get much closer than that, to come and live as a human being, to be born in that vulnerable space, that vulnerable time, and actually be a human, to understand what it's like to be a human, all the way until he says, it is good for me to go because when I go, I can send my spirit to be in you. God is on this movement. This mystery is that Christ is trying to get as close to us as possible. Again, stark contrast to establishing myself as a king with such authority that you can't come into my presence. That there's going to be advisors and rulers that you would talk to first. Then if you got through them, there'd be another stage and another stage. And maybe at some point, if I so desired, you'd come before me as the king. And he reverses the whole thing. And he comes to us. And in such, as Kevin said, a vulnerable state to be fully God and yet fully man is a, is a beautiful picture. And all of that is to bring about, as the text says, an obedience of faith that as we see his arrival is coming, that the natural reaction is for us to desire to show love back to this gracious king and to live in obedience. It, uh, it reminds me of this passage of Scripture, First Samuel twelve twenty four. It's a verse that is kind of stuck with me from the time uh, I first started to learn and know about who Jesus was. And the verse says, But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. If you kind of read that verse in reverse, what it says is, Because of all that Christ has done, if you, if you look back on all the blessings, the ways in which he's treated you, uh, the, the fact that God has given his son for you, if you consider all that, then it's only natural that we would be in fear or in awe of him and that we would desire to give our lives faithfully to him for as long as we live. And it's, a, it's just a beautiful picture of this idea that that love, that gentle coming of him causes us to desire to lean into obedience. And what's cool about it is it's a choice, right? We have the choice to serve the king. And that is, again, a stark contrast to other ways that kings enter. You oftentimes don't have the choice. And they may enter with fear. They may enter with that military promenade to show this authority that I have authority. The kingdom I'm establishing is authority over you. And there is no choice. And if you choose not to be obedient, then there is penalty. But Christ comes humbly to say there is a choice and out of the natural outflow of this, out of who I am, choose to be obedient and follow me. And then um, I would say that the last little section here, glory forevermore, uh, any doxology is really an exclamation of praise. It's a chance for whoever's declaring it to give back to God this statement that says, you are worthy. There's no one else who's worthy to receive the glory and the honor and the power in whatever way they dis- declare that and describe that. And uh, that's what Paul is doing here at the very end. And so we f- thought it'd be fitting if during this Advent season that one of the things that uh, the Scriptures is modeling for us is a doxology, this exclamation of praise, that we in turn 
would write our own doxology. And so what we're going to do here for a few minutes is to give you a little space and time to actually write your own doxology. And the idea would be to take a few moments and really express back to God all that He is, all that He does, and all that you desire for Him to receive from now till forevermore. And uh, here's, here's the format we're going to use. The band's going to come forward. We're going to just, uh, there's going to be a little bit of music kind of playing in the background. You'll have about two or three minutes to, to begin to write into that. And uh, we'll give you the format here. Uh, the format, pretty simply, is this. To start off by just declaring who God is. That God, we know you, we've received you, we believe you to be these things. And if you would, focus a little bit on what he's revealed himself to be to you over this Advent season. So don't draw back to like, hey, when I was 13, I remember God did this one really cool thing for me. But like in the last month, how has he revealed himself to you? What characteristics and descriptions would you use to describe who he is? And then transition into what is he able to do? Again, don't just say, uh, I remember that time you part of the Red Sea. But say, like, here's what I've seen you do in my life in the last several weeks. Here's how you've shown up. And here's what you're, how you're speaking to me. And then kind of ending it with an exaltation. To you be glory forevermore. And uh, use, obviously, your own words right during this time. And um, what we'll do is we'll have them kind of play in the background. Then we're going to sing one song together. And then we're going to create a little space. And Kevin will talk about that in just a moment. We'll create a little space where you can come up and uh, just read this doxology you've written. And then uh, we'll close with a couple little doxologies. And uh, let me encourage you to, um, to engage in this practice. I'll be honest. If this was me, this is not how I generally approach uh, forms of worship. This would be completely out of my wheelhouse to write something like this. It would be easy for me to sit in the back knowing that football started an hour and a half ago and look at my phone and look at some scores to see and just assume other people would write their doxologies. Uh, but I did this last service, and this is a really great practice. This was really transformative uh, for a lot of people. So I'd say I challenge you, engage in this, even if this is way out of your wheelhouse. Find new ways to worship the Lord because he is worthy. So we'll give you this, uh, this time. We'll play a song. I'll leave this mic right up here uh, on the table up there. And then uh, for those of you, what? Be bold. Yeah, for those of you uh, who are willing, be bold and come up and speak these things because hearing other people's doxologies uh, was beautiful last service. It's not just about you speaking it out. For other people, uh, those can be really, really powerful words. So be bold and speak those, and then uh, Ruth will, will close us out. So have some time to write. in starved silences and my heart's hidden desires. Oh, praise the one who treasures the individual souls of us, his children, over all the earth. Thanks be to the Almighty, holy, holy, holy. My God, who rescues, never leaves, and upholds his people, he is able to free us, cleanse us, restore us. He invites us to live in his presence forever. May you be known to all and always before us. My God who is real, he is able to accomplish his will in Christ Jesus. 
All glory be to his name forever and ever. Praise my God who is love, unfailing love. He is able to redeem all of us from any situation of pain or sin or despair. He is able to reconcile all of us to himself and to give us hope, peace, and a future so that we can praise him together forever. Praise his holy name forever. O Lord, my God, infinitely deep, yet revealing yourself, eternally patient, who addresses us in a way that we understand. To him who is able to draw hearts to him, to comfort in the face of an unknown future, and to continually teach his followers. To the omnipotent Father, the merciful Son, and the knowable Spirit, be all power and glory now and forever. Amen. To God, the King of love over everything, who is with me, who is peace, who is full reconciliation, who can redeem every brokenness and break every chain in me and in the world, who gives us grace to live, be glory and honor and love and praise now and forever. Amen. Who is an extender of incredible mercy and a granter of mind-boggling and unending grace. He's able to take and use and redeem a life that continues to resist his great gifts. He does this as if each new day was in itself a new beginning and is a fresh chance to become all he has ever wanted and desired for me. With such an incredible God, how can I not be in awe and humbly give him my life, even if I must make that attempt each new day? Thank you, Jesus. My God, who is so faithful, so good, so full of love and patience. He is able to draw me to him in the midst of the craziness and busyness of life and the Christmas season and being a mama and quiet my spirit to give me rest, to remind me that he is all that really matters, not the crafts and baking and gifts and certainly not the mama guilt that accompanies it all. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with me today. That is everything. My weary soul rejoices. He is my hope and he is my joy, and I am so thankful. My God, who is intimate, is patient, draws near. My God, who knows me even as I realize my community doesn't know me, they would like to know me. I would like to know myself. You delight in me. You show me I am loved. I am a mystery you are joyfully revealing to yourself as the lover of my soul. You are revealing me to me, too, and what others think falls away. My God who heals my guilt, my disproportionate guilt, and my appropriate remorse, too. You heal all of me. My God who is able to heal everyone, my family, my friends, And even more amazingly, my God, who is able to take the rapist, the murderer, the terrorist, the angry Tea Party or environmentalist or equal rights activist, all of our anger and heal it. Allow it sometimes to run its course, as painful as that can be, 
and yet teach us how to communicate in ways that are unifying. Even, God, to teach us, as Jesus did, to communicate our anger in healthy ways, to throw the tables of injustice, of money-grabbing, of materialism, and unchrist-like Christmasing. My God, you are able to move us from anger to forgiveness. My God, who is able once and for all to our weakness, you are no stranger. My God, who is able once and for all, both and each day deeper and deeper, you teach us, you break our chains. We learn to forgive ourselves. We learn to forgive ourselves. We learn to forgive ourselves. We forgive our enemies, our loved ones who have hurt us deeply. My God, who is able, his power and glory evermore proclaim, you, my God, you, our God, are able to heal us. You are our king who created us to be intimate with you. You walked in the garden with us, and you have come again. You have restored our intimacy, and you long for deeper and deeper intimacy with us. Thanks be. Holy Lord, amen. Praise the strong one who makes us strong. Shown through Jesus to everyone. Now we can know the truth. Do what he asks us to. Carry on and praise the sun. Thanks again for sharing your doxologies with us. Hopefully for those of you that were able to write and uh, reflect that it was a meaningful time. I know for myself as I was writing um, in the first service, I I jotted down some things that were far less eloquent than what you guys wrote. But for me, it was this opportunity again to just kind of sit in a space where I was reflecting on who he is and all that he does. And one of the things that I wrote that Uh, my God is, is a God who's willing to just sit quietly with me. Do you ever those times where like what you want is someone who's a good enough friend that they just kind of sit there and they don't have to say anything and you don't have to feel like you have to say anything and maybe you don't have words at the time, but it's just their presence there is felt. And that was one of the things that just struck me this morning is that he is that kind of friend with me. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. So hopefully in your time of reflection, you're able to to really begin to express to him and allow him to express to you how you feel about one another. We're going to stand now and uh, to sing the doxology together, and then Kevin will close us with with a benediction.